is that going to get longer so you can have John's kitchen, <laughs> John's Speedway track snacks or something, you know, in the back? Like, well, I, I've got a whole plan of how I'm going to fit a kitchen and a bathroom in that front six feet of room that I got in front of my car, and I'm going to have to find someplace else to put my toolbox. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm Brian Anderson. And I'm Bobby Fazio. And welcome to another edition of Class Racing Today. All right, Brian, today we got a jam-packed episode once again. We had a lot of racing going on. What do we do here? The Vegas Sports Nationals concluded. Vegas had another divisional. I participated in an East Coast stock super stock race yesterday at Atco Dragway. Uh, we had national points sealed up. Just, uh, man, all, all kinds of good stuff going on. What did you do this weekend, Brian? You go hunting? Did you go skiing? What'd you do? Yeah, I actually took my son to, uh, to a friend's place. We went and shot some pheasants, so that was pretty fun. It was actually, uh, I was kind of the odd man out. I got stuck in bracket racing world and was trying to be inundated with top ball, bottom ball, eighth mile. They were trying to switch me. I even sat in a roadster of all things. My son was in a dragster. It was like an indoctrination of craziness. But <laughs> I think I got two of them convinced. One's thing about building a super stock uh, GT S10 pickup, and the other one's looking for a Camaro. So I'm just doing my part to try to spend the, you know, spread the class racing goodness across America. There you go. I like it. Did you sell him on a, uh, you know, a new motor? You gonna sell him your motor? <laughs> Actually, there was a third guy I talked to that has a Trans Am, and we were talking about doing some upgrades, and he's like, "Oh, where'd you get your motor?" I'm like, "Well, I just think I got something in the works." And he's like, "What are you doing with yours?" I'm like, "We should put it in your Trans Am. Well, then I need a transmission." I'm like, "Guess what? We can make that happen too." And he's like, "I just like the way those stockers leave. You know, they're always got the wheels hanging in the air." He's like, "That's really cool, but..." Man, it's expensive. This is coming from a guy that has a $60,000 motor in his drag store. The race is for $600. And, you know, I go, how many, what do you want to do with big money races? We, we call those races in our association. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it was, uh, it was a pretty good weekend. It was super nice. We got a bunch of rain. I don't know, kind of disappointed that the racing season's somewhat over. Um, it was neat to kind of watch you go, and I caught some of the Vegas stuff. That was pretty neat. The Probably the most exciting part about my weekend was the cards probably didn't play out quite like they were hoping to, but the craziness, my mentor, the only reason that I have a race car today is in-house, in the studio, the infamous, notorious, <laughs> four-speed John McLaughlin is in the house. Well, what an intro. Johnny. Hey, Bobby. How you doing? Hey, Mr. Producer. Where's one of those, like, <sighs> things, you know? <laughs> Craig, you really let us down on that oh, one. Oh, it happened on one of them. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, I was out in Vegas participating in all, all the fun out there, and I just drove 1,500 miles here in the last... 36 hours and now i'm in millbank south dakota what a crazy world we live in my goodness i bet you brian didn't even give you a cup of coffee when you rolled in the door either 
Oh. He's drinking one in front of all of us right now. <laughs> hey, this is my weekend. We're double fisting. Our in-house coffee shop came in handy today. Oh, that's, Brian's got I, two coffees. Poor John's probably dying for one. <laughs> as you well know, Bobby, that coffee will stunt your growth. Guys like us can't, can't, can't have any. <laughs> hey, I don't know if you guys watched his lights. I that's stayed one, away. That's one guy that doesn't need coffee. Well, apparently I had a little I too much. stayed away from all that. Apparently, I, I must have had a little coffee in that that uh, first round there when I turned her turned her red finally after after having a really good weekend of hitting the tree. Yes, I'm uh if we end up in the final yeah, again, that's I'm the gonna... thing. And I know people are really like, people are like strict about that. No no coffee. Don't eating no eating between rounds. Like you know, I'm me. I'm munching down Halloween candy all day yesterday, and I I totally disregard all the unwritten rules for driving a race car and bobby did you win no way man <laughs> I, I was cutting good lights though some somewhat but i spun i did a nice 60 foot burnout in my 12 second car but uh i had anthony fetch he had a 006 light would have been a fun race he ended up winning the whole thing actually but more on that later Hey, that's the that's the Brian Anderson recipe, right? All the winners got to take you out. Oh, uh, yeah, it's not. Oh, yeah. About that. <laughs> we're we're going to get serious this year. I've already started my uh my conditioning program. I've taken all the details I've learned from our podcast so far. So I'm practicing on the tree. I even uh implemented a diet because there's about 25 pounds that would work a lot better in my car than under the seat. So we're going to we're going to go fast gonna get deadly what did Brina say we got to do it 10,000 times so that's probably about how many egg whites I'm gonna have to eat before next race season but hey I'm down eight pounds already for the first week so I can feel good things in my future all right so you big guys can drop weight like that real easy <laughs> yeah why don't you just let me drive the car Brian we could probably move it up to double a or something <laughs> you know that's the crazy thing about that car is that firebirds can run double a a or b but Camaros have to run A, B, or C because of, uh, I think it was a misprint or something of how they reported it to NHRA, which <laughs> the completely, shipping weight, yeah. completely ridiculous. Oh, boy, right. you GM guys, there's always some misprint in the background. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, unfortunately, there's one easy way to take about 400 pounds off my car, but it involves adding another pedal, and I'm not there yet. Come oh, join the rest man. of us. It makes it so easy, Brian. <laughs> Look at those lights you can cut with a left foot. Yeah. You know, that's actually, I'm, it's funny that that comes up because my 13-year-old's starting to drive and my 9-year-old's driving around the farm, you know, and, like, that's when I learned how to drive, so I got to teach the kids, right? You learn how to drive early in the Midwest. And the other day they were driving, my wife let them drive to town, and she's like, quit using your left foot, quit using your left foot, why do you two-pedal it? I'm like, oh, they're my kids, that's how I learned how to drive. My entire <laughs> life I got yelled at for using both pedals, now I have an automatic car, like, my kids are born four-speed drivers. <laughs> well, there, there's a lot of truth to that, Brian. You know, obviously, I grew up up here in northeast South Dakota as well on, on the farm, and, and uh, everything I drove had a stick in it. I started driving. I was five, six years old, you know, old Chevy pickups, tractors, whatever, and, and yeah, that just morphed into, into me being a four-speed race car driver, I guess. Yeah. One of the funny things is, so, quick story offline. So... The first truck I ever drove was a 1969 Dodge Power Wagon. It was an old tow truck, probably had 300,000 miles on it. And, you know, is your, I think I was 9, 10, and we were going from one field to the other, which is like three miles on gravel roads. My brother was with me, and 
you know, dropping the clutch when he's in the back trying to load bales. And he was three years older, so I got beat up a lot that day because he'd throw him right off the back <laughs> or he was falling around. And it was just good quality memories, right? So we're on the way back and he's like, let me drive. I'm like, no, I have to learn how to drive. And we're going along and it seems at the time like we were going 60. But, you know, I was probably in second gear. So you're maybe going 25, <laughs> 30 max. But when you're nine, you're like, we're going full light speed. And we're coming up the approach where we have to turn. And he's like, you need to slow down. I pushed the clutch in and I touched the brake pedal and nothing happened. Oh. We went over that. We went over the cross section on the gravel road. So it literally felt like a scene of Dukes of Hazard. Like, I know all four tires are off the ground and I felt like we flew for a thousand yards. But yeah, it's funny. Like, we were probably maybe going 20 mile an hour, but it felt like 100. The uh, come back and we're trying to tell my dad, like, this truck doesn't have any brakes. <laughs> like, we go back, <laughs> brakes were completely gone, still got it to the house. And, like, I remember my grandma getting really mad at my dad saying, oh, you know, you can't let him drive that pickup if it doesn't have brakes. And the neighbor that was quite the character <laughs> looked at my dad, and I'll never forget to this day. He said, all brakes do or slow you down. You don't need brakes. <laughs> it's funny, the memories that are imprinted in childhood. I probably shouldn't have told that story on Facebook Live because we'll probably be investigated or something. But <laughs> those were the times. You know, we ate, we ate crayons and ate dirt and <laughs> drove around, and life was better explains a lot <laughs> so how was the race bobby a lot of cars we did at our east coast stock super stock we had 71 cars uh nice nice payout and good round money i mean i got 50 bucks for uh losing second round so i'm a big fan of round money as you know brian i don't like those top heavy purses um at that race, though, like I said, Anthony Fetch, who beat me, he was absolutely killer all day. He was 002 first round, 006 against me. I think his worst light of the day was like 14 in the final. Wow. And he has a super stock B stock Camaro. I think it's like an 87-ish Camaro. And he raced uh, my friend Dwayne Hoven, who has a, a GTO automatic 71 Maverick. Um, it has a 302 Mercury motor in it i think it's a 1968 uh mercury cougar motor and um Dwayne was killer yesterday too he uh he was double o's all day and he was 16 in the final so in that final uh fetch was 14 Dwayne was 16 and they were both a little bit over i believe the margin of victory was two thou at the stripe so it was a good day giant wheelies yesterday the air was great we had a 30.25 barometer uh 20 28 percent humidity and it was hot. It was really hot for a New Jersey day. It was about 84 degrees yesterday uh, on the weather station I was using. So the place was packed. They finally allowed spectators. The concession stand had a line like wrapping around the parking lot. There was other things going on. There was Buick versus Pontiac showdown. There was a car show. It was just a, a great day for people to come out to the to the drags. And Atco is just has been under threat of closing all year. So I was so happy to see this place. You know, having a, a good crowd because other aspects of the place don't look so promising. They took the bleachers out that we all used to uh, at the starting line. They had a set of bleachers that we all used to uh, watch from. They're gone. And the scale down at, on the return road looks like that thing is like gone. So our divisional, our first race uh, points race for division one is supposed to be there next year, April 30th. May 1st, May 2nd, so I'm really hoping that that place stays open because I love that track. It's an hour and 15 minutes from my house, and I've had most of my success at that track, too. Um, 
Yeah, it looks like a really cool place. It's it's on my bucket list, so hopefully it can hang in there till I can get there. <laughs> yeah, I was I was trying to put video up. I was only getting one bar though, so all my live videos were like freezing and crappy quality and uh or just not even uploading. So let's give think... Elon Musk a call and maybe he can be our corporate sponsor. We can give us internet at the racetracks with that Starlink yeah. or whatever. Good luck. I just want to let the clutch fly once with a 30.2 barometer. Holy oh, yeah. smokes. I, I had the opportunity last year to, to race in North Carolina at a Carolina Class Racers Association race. I was out there delivering a street rod, and, man, it's like having a whole other cylinder in your car when at the, that kind of air. So it was it was super fun. So it's the opposite of going to Denver, then? It's the opposite of going to <laughs> Vegas or Denver or Montana or any other places that we've we've traveled to, so. Yeah, for sure. It, I, that car was putting me, you know, back in the seat. I could tell I was on a good pass that first session yesterday, and that was the quickest. That's a, it's an L stock automatic '64 Mustang, and that's a 1270 index. And the quickest we've ever gotten that car to go was 1209, and it went 1201 on that first pass yesterday. I was like, wow. Cool. Yeah. A second and a half faster would be like driving my car in 5,000 foot air, Bobby. <laughs> You're going to let me drive your car, remember? How much do you weigh? How much do I weigh? Come on, we got to figure this out for next year. It'll be all right either way. We had a Vegas Jeg Sports Nationals continuation. All right, this is where, and you can look back at last week's episode, I said Jody Lang's pissed. He red lit in the first round of that Vegas National event. He's going to win this Sports Nationals. And what does he do? He wins the Sports Nationals. So in his 81 Malibu wagon, Oh, my God. The shagging wagon, slow car. Got to love it. Over Scott Burton in the factory stock C uh, Mustang, Cobra Jet. So he takes that win, Jody Lang. That seals the deal. He locks up his first national championship. Congratulations, Jody Lang. Craig. <sighs> um, let's see. Super stock. That was uh, jo- Jody's uh, championship there. Couldn't be more more deserved i don't know how many times he's finished second bobby it's like five or six i think something ridiculous i know wow. he, he lost it one year to joe santangelo by three points i believe yeah um, 2011 yeah and i i was actually in that race at at the round of down to eight cars and uh, it was really cool to to be part of it and uh standing on the starting line when uh jerry stein in his uh dart took out Justin Lamb in the next round and that basically sealed the sealed the championship for Jody. Um so it was a really cool thing to be a part of and and see all that excitement and then and Jody to watch him work even after that happening and his his focus and seriousness and I mean he's a guy that that's a great guy but also works very hard at uh, at doing a good job in the race car and uh, I mean he was focused and obviously took it on to take out Scott Burton there in the final so um, it was just a, a really cool thing to see, and congratulations to him for sure. What was yeah. the atmosphere like? Was everybody watching? Was it kind of like it's on the line, or was there spectators at all? Or You know, for the, the national event the previous week, there was a, a lot of spectators there, but, of course, the divisional, they didn't have a – I believe they didn't have approval to have spectators there. So, um, But, no, there was a – the, the stock, super stock community was uh, on the starting line for sure um, every round as I was going up because people understood what was on the line. And Justin, who had a chance to take the championship away from 
from Jody, so to speak, if he could uh, win out those last two races. And he was on a roll, obviously, had won the divisional, had won the national event, and uh, was driving like Justin can drive and, and in Vegas where he's there's nobody better. Um, so so there was definitely some tension tension there. And then, yeah, to uh, like Jerry did a great job. He had a good race with Justin and came out on the right side of the math. And uh, and like I said, Jody went on to win the race in, in, in great fashion to prove it. There's not a more deserving champion. So, do you have any tips? Are you close with Jody? Can you share something with us? How do you win in an L stock automatic <laughs> wagon consistently? Well, uh, I don't know if I have any tips or not, but uh, there is one thing to say. I mean, there's you guys have talked about it here on the podcast. He's he's worked with that combination for a long, long time and has who knows how many thousands of passes in that car, um, and uh, you know judging the closing closing line ratios and, and has figured out how to cut a light in it and knows how to uh, adjust for the wind going down track. I mean, when Jody does his burnout, he's got his hand out the window with his wind meter. And uh, so, cause he's making decisions and judgments on what he's going to do at that point, you know? So it just super talented, super intelligent, hardworking guy for sure. That's just crazy. I, uh, yeah, someday we'll get there. Just, <laughs> It takes time. I mean, there's so many little intricacies and details. And uh, if you've ever raced in Vegas, it is one of the most challenging places for the wind. The uh, you can literally be in the burnout box, the smoke from the burnout going one direction, the flag at half track going a different direction, and the flag down at the finish line going another direction. I mean, it, it it's insane. And the gusts can be, you know, well, in several of the races uh, over the past two weeks, or I mean, the wind would change, you know, eight to twenty five miles an hour. You're going down the track, so. That's crazy. Yeah, makes it makes it a a driver's race for sure. Right, (laughs) and and to 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 deal with all that in a Malibu wagon that's going down the track, twelve seconds is just insane. Now, oof. So more hats off to Jody Lang. Yeah, a low-powered, non-aerodynamic car. You know, yep. It's just unbelievable how good he can do in that thing. For the Superstock at the Jag Sports Nationals, let's see who won here. Tim Seymour, factory Superstock D, uh, 16 Camaro over Ed Niquette in the Superstock A modified Cavalier. Did I get that right? I think I did because the divisional Justin Lamb won Superstock over John Irving. Okay, I thought I had those. I thought I was looking at the wrong one. So Tim Seymour over Ed Niquette. Two Two very fast cars there. And that that race, I believe, after the Jeg Sports Nationals, Jody locks up his national championship, but the Warner Brothers from Division One locked up. Brian had already locked up first place in Superstock. Byron moved his way up into second place, uh, booted David Latino out of second place down to third place. So the Warner Brothers, identical twins, Division One. Finishing first and second, don't think uh, brothers have ever finished uh, first and second in any category uh, nationally. So congratulations to the Warner brothers. They are Division One hitters, and I try to avoid racing them at all times. Now my uh, one of my best friends has, has had to race Brian or Byron Warner at like 10 races, and he's like 0 for – 10 against them sorry jamie that's a different uh, different strategy than i use bobby <laughs> I, I i i like to race the really good guys 
because uh, I, I, I like to race them later on. I don't like to race <laughs> them first round. Well, know? that's true. Yeah, yeah. No, it's better to race them later in the in the rounds. Third, fourth round, I'll race anybody. I don't care at this point. Now I'm in the groove. Let's go. No. I just I just always feel like I don't have nothing to when I come up against somebody good I'm less nervous like I'm more nervous racing Brian <laughs> <laughs> than uh, oh. than somebody that is generally perceived as being a really good racer or that I perceive as being really good because at that point I feel I got nothing to prove and I just go up there and do the best I can and and if I do well I I'm gonna earn the respect of my peers and if I get lucky enough to win it's even better yet so. You know, in my whopping career of probably 300 passes, it's only happened one time, and you got lucky. So don't expect that to happen again. I had a. What was my reaction time in that round? I don't know what yours was. All I know is mine was red. <laughs> I had two red lights out of what 180 some passes this year, and both were in the final. So uh, and and Brian uh, doesn't give himself enough credit. He has come a long, long way as a driver in the last two years, and and can rip off good reaction times and drive the finish line as as good as anybody out there anymore and uh yeah and just what you just said the fact that you were in several finals most guys race a long time before that happens so right yeah i think I so you can't play this whole year. newbie i don't know what i'm doing <laughs> card anymore i'm sick of hearing yeah. it yeah. which yellow do i leave on <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. oh boy so was that our results then i'm kind we of got a couple more we have a couple more vegas d7 that was the final race final points race of the year i'm pretty sure um, they were supposed to finish on Saturday due to a bad forecast on Sunday. They couldn't finish on Saturday. They changed the race to eighth mile in the fourth round of stock, third round of everything else. And in stock, Dwayne Scheitlin, A stock automatic, 70 challenger, took the win over Gary Emmons, factory stock A, uh, 2014 Cobra Jet. And in super stock, Justin Lamb, um, super stock, A stock, 2010 Cobalt took the win over John Irving, Superstock K Automatic, 71 Duster. So, like you said, Justin Lamb, he dominates in Vegas. And the Emmons brothers, they they were really on a roll uh, at the end of the year here. So, Yeah, the, the Emmons brothers have, have really been driving great. And Dwayne Scheitlin, uh, who was in the final there in his black 446-pack challenger, he uh, has had a great year. He was actually early on in the in the discussion for the championship. Uh, traveled a lot and 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 drove really well. And and it was nice to see him get a win here right at the end of the year. That is a beautiful car. Like I haven't seen it in person, but man, that thing looks nice. Yeah, we'll 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 mopar out on here a little bit, Bobby. But it is a beautiful car to see in person with the the black and the dark charcoal stripes. It's just a really yeah really, I... really gorgeous car. I had, I saw a picture of it today. Well, we we have it on our Facebook page because we always try to post pictures of the winners and number one qualifiers. And uh, when I did see that picture, I was impressed. And I also gave him, I'm giving Dwayne the upset of the week just because he got the win against the Emmons, the the, the very hot Emmons uh, team right now. So I'm giving Dwayne my pick upset of the week right there. Well, well, so, well deserved. Congratulations, Dwayne. Is it Scheitlin? Yes. Dwayne Scheitlin, A stock automatic, beautiful 1970 Challenger. You know what else is really cool about that race this weekend? Is that one of our local D5 guys uh, kind of shortened up his ETs a little bit. <laughs> yeah, Brent Kopecky, who uh, was in third place in Division 5 points, who normally drives a front wheel drive charger that goes six. 
17, 20, 16, something like that. It's fast. It's very fast in class. Um, but, uh, yeah, he uh, had the opportunity to possibly win the division if he could, uh, and he, he had a race to claim yet. So he uh, drove out to Vegas and borrowed uh, Brian Schultz's 71 D-Stock automatic duster. And uh, I guess I didn't know this, but uh, way back when, uh, Brent had raced a duster. Um, but anyway, yeah, he uh, gave it a whirl to try and improve his improve his points position. I uh, I was kind of watching that. I saw, I think, the test run. I was trying to watch John and the, the, the Jigs and whatever, Sports Nationals race, and I watched the test runs. And what was his first reaction time? Like, I figured, like, how was that car going to react compared to what he's used to? And... And I got the ticket here because I took a screenshot of it. I think the first pass I saw him taking that car, he was double one on the tree. Really? Yeah. Wow. Because they were even talking like, whoa, because his EFS index is what they came up with. His number was 1724 because <laughs> they said he ran on 1115. They said he's going to be in the tech barn for a year. <laughs> that's what he ran. <laughs> but I had this conversation with actually with Mans last week when we kind of were talking about it a little bit like going to fast car slow car and you know the way it reacts like trying to pick a spot on the tree but yeah first rip it was double oh one i'm like wow like it leaves a little but he's always good on the tree in his other car too so i just shows there's a lot of talent there i think we were all hoping for a little better outcome there what did he end up on in points is he third then right yeah he did uh uh two brothers actually finished one and two in stock in the division points uh ted and jeremy romero um, another super talented couple of guys that work very hard at the sport, got very good equipment and uh, well, well deserving points finishes for them for sure. But it it was fun to see Brent uh, do as well as he did this year and 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 actually uh, take the time and money and effort to go out and try and and improve his points position. Well, absolutely, you know, guys say slow cars can't make it, and Brent's a good example. And even our uh, even our past guest Gary Hampton had just an amazing year, ended up. I think top 10. In he finished division. seventh in division seven points. Yep. Like, so the guys that say slow cars don't stand a chance. Like it, there's a lot to it. It's just putting the package together and doing the best job you can and just really getting your system down. It's neat to see those guys, even Jody Lang. I mean, world champions, not in a fast car. How cool is that? Very cool. There's hope for you yet, Bobby. All right. Maybe Jody can just drive a damn car for me. But <laughs> yes. Morph your inner Jody. <laughs> so... Another big deal kind of going on. Did we cover all the results? Am I jumping ahead? Am I doing a Yeah, body? no, results are finished. Uh, I'm pretty uh, real quick though. I just want to I just want to say uh who who the top five are in stock at Superstock. We have Jody Lang, Parker DeVore finished number two. Justin Lamb was three points behind him. Brett Candice and John Shaw, division one, uh coming in fifth. I believe he's got a four twenty six. Uh, yeah, he's got a, a beautiful, beautiful sixty three, sixty four Plymouth. Um, and John, I believe is 77 years old yes. and he had some races this year where he was driving lights out and even in Vegas, I mean, very, very impressive. So very cool. Very happy for him. Yes. One thing we need uh, to he do. He finished number one in division one also then. So congrats, John Shaw. We need to do a better job of talking about divisional points too. I've, I don't have any of that stuff ready and I'm sure we don't, but that would be. You got a long winner. You can do some research. We'll, yeah, and we'll make episode. a point. All, all divisional drivers, we haven't forgotten about you. Divisional points leaders, we will dedicate the first at least 10 minutes to you guys next week. All right? How's that, Brian? Are we doing this next week? We'll have to figure that out. 
there's not racing to talk about every weekend. I don't know if we're going to go two weeks or three weeks, but we'll definitely, we're going to keep it going. We're not going to give up on it. It's It's been a lot of fun. I don't know if you guys want to hear Bobby and I banter back and forth and make fun of each other 52 weeks a year, but yeah. we'll be in the mix. We'll figure something out. <laughs> well, I tell you what, one thing I am pretty excited about is big money class races in uh we got a special guest today to kind of talk about a little bit the the brains behind the madness to kind of give some details is this just another bracket race is it a class race we got tyler bohannon on zoom live to help fill us in on some of the details can you hear us tyler uh yeah can you hear me yes we can Tyler, how's it going? Uh, that's good. I'm sorry. Uh, it was not perfect to the video. Not in a uh, preferred place, but we'll get All right, well, we'll get your audio squared away. Let me just give a little introduction. Tyler Bohannon, you guys may have heard of him. He runs stock. Super stock. Uh, I believe he was a runner-up this year at a Topeka points race. Um, just seen his name in late rounds, in the results. Uh, mostly everywhere he goes. So uh, we want to welcome him on the show. He has the details of this extravagant event that's supposed to be coming up. When? Easter weekend next year, Brian? Is that when it is? Yep, it's what, Wednesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, two separate events, the way I understand. Um, man, I'm excited. It's going to be at a really fast track. Uh, the way it looks like it's laid out, what there's going to be, there's going to be heads up racing, there's going to be index, right, Tyler? Yeah, so there'll, there'll be a little bit of everything. I think uh, I think I've nailed down just about it. A little bit of everything um, for everybody, for all the for all the different people between the the main events and the CIC races, and uh, you know some of the second chance races as well. Um, I think we got some. Right. Still hear me? Yep. Now yes. You're back. Yep. I wonder if you can. Bandwidth is a little low, but all right. My question: I just have to ask this now. Is this going to be just another bracket race? Are we going to qualify? What's the deal? We will qualify. So the way the kind of schedule is laid out right now, there'll be two qualifiers for the first race, um, which will pay twenty-five thousand, um, and we'll ladder from round number one for that. So stock and super stock will qualify separate. Um, the ladder separately and the race separately until the final. So in the semifinal, so to speak, it'll be the finals of stock and super stock. And then the winners of those two will, will then make the round number eight, which will be the final. So we'll qualify, we'll ladder just like any other uh, stock super stock event for NHRA. And then they will race separately until the final. Um, and I know a lot of people are saying that it's just going to be another bracket race, but I think that I've taken the steps um, to kind of change that, you know, with, with uh, the tech department, so to speak. Um, I do have three guys that's uh, two for sure locked in. One is probably locked in. Uh, Dave Lay, Travis Miller, and uh, Wesley Robinson. So um, those three guys are, are going to be tech guys, two for sure. Uh, Wesley's supposed to be getting back to me. He said he was in, just had to check with uh, his work schedule. These guys don't get paid enough to just be tech guys. Um, but So they got a day job as well. But, I mean, this is – this ain't going to be, this isn't going to be normal. Um, you know, just, just bracket racing. I'm, 
with, with tech and, and scales being in effect and heads up runs and, and uh, looking into fuel check. And um, there's possibility to be tore down. Um, you know, I don't think that that happens enough uh, in the stuff that we do, um, especially over the years. It's now you don't even this year that in tech a single car um, to even race period. So, you know, uh, they have gotten better at some things, but I do feel like NRA has become too lenient on on things and, and it's allowing for uh, more gray area rules to become legal or, or illegal stuff to be used and not have to worry about being caught with it. Well, that's awesome. That's what it's going to take to completely legitimize the race. I know you can argue whether it is or what it isn't, but I'm certainly going to do everything in my power to drive like the fact if there is a second chance race, you know, even on the heads up, like my car, heads up to heads up, you know, hopefully we'll get closer in the game, but you know, who wants to drive eight hours to go up and get in a heads up first fine or first round. But if there's a chance to come back and race again, that's, that's pretty neat. And I, I think for driving interests and excitement into class racing with true heads up with tech, I mean, it's everything NHRA should be right. We want more money. We want more tech. We want more legitimate races. We want heads ups. It's it's the greatest thing out there as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, and then that's you know, I've I've been racing myself stock super stock for for only five or six years, but but I've been in, you know, I I'm twenty two years old. My dad's been racing super stock since the day I was born. I mean it's it's all I know and, and I can see it just as I've grown up the the way it's going and you know, I, I know that not everybody likes the heads up runs. I, you know, drive all that way to lose first round. But, you know, the second chance race, like you were talking, if you lose, you know, first, second, maybe even third round, that's, um, you know, for a hundred bucks, you can run for five grand and there's no heads ups. So, you know, for everybody, you know, if, if you can still come and gamble for the 25,000 and if you get put on a heads up and it doesn't work out in your favor, you can still run for five grand, which is more than a divisional, you know, even with, um, with contingency, which is another problem. Um, that I see, you know, I've, I think in 2019, in four weeks, I was in four finals and I collected $600 in, in contingency for four weeks. And, you know, the, if they don't want to do a contingency program, just get rid of it completely, you know, cause it's kind of a slap in the face when you run all this stuff and you, um, you know, run the decals, you have to and buy the parts you have to, and it, and it doesn't uh, pay the way it's supposed to. And, and that's something else we're working on. That's the only um, kind of up in the air thing. I don't know if I'll get around um, to, to making the contingency program enough. I'm, I don't want to put a, a half-ass contingency program, so to speak, out there. Um, so working on that. But just just everything that I've seen that I don't necessarily like um, about NHRA in the last few years, I try to turn around and make better. I'm not trying to change the game. I'm trying to bring the game back. It's, it's, it's going away, I think, and, and I just want to – everything that they have in place – it's perfect. Everybody loves it, but they got to utilize it. What are you looking for entry fee on that? It'll be six ninety nine for the weekend, so six hundred ninety nine dollars for both races. Okay. So I tried to make it close to a national event. You know, it's three thirty for a national. I think Indy's three eighty. Um, you know, so I I just kind of put it in the middle there for basically three fifty a race for twenty five grand. So basically, for six hundred dollars or seven hundred dollars one toe chance to win 50 grand like, yeah, yeah sign, and, and sign me up yeah if it doesn't work out for you you know <laughs> for another hundred bucks there's another five grand here and for you know a hundred bucks there's another five grand here and, and for the go fast guys the cic race i'm 
working on it to be a free entry to pay five or 10 grand as well. So, you know, it, and I'm trying my best to, to put something out there for these guys to go do. Hopefully, hopefully it works out so far. The feedback's been pretty good. Um, you know, I know the weekend wasn't ideal. Um, I moved it around to make it work. I think with the finishing on Saturday, I know it's not ideal. It's a holiday weekend. Um, but I also want to implement, you know, for the holiday, um, some kind of Easter service, something like that or something for the kids, but it, it's not ideal, but it, it's, you know, you gotta, these tracks are getting more expensive and more expensive to lease. Um, it's, a, I mean, it's buying a house to lease these racetracks pretty much. And so you gotta, you gotta make that happen. And Easter weekend helped out with that a little bit at a facility that I think is one of the 15 nicest tracks and fastest tracks in the country for sure. Tyler, what facility are you having the race? Uh, St. Louis. So at a worldwide technology raceway. I think, I think we're going to have to invest in a bunny suit and we'll have Bobby do live remotes from the racetrack dressed as the Easter bunny. <laughs> yes, please. That's awesome. Yeah. Hippity hop. We will have to do live from if I, hey. if I can. Oh yeah get to this race which i'm really hoping i can let's get a hold of randy land and see if she can come up with her outfits and our costumes for this well uh... she's about 10 minutes from me right now i'll run over there she can get it done without a doubt <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to get her on maybe we can yeah, yeah we'll have a show where she can just come up with all these ideas for us and that's another cool thing too is i think this is bringing out i've, I've had a few phone calls i won't i won't say any names yet but there's other guys that are working on races that are like this and you know, I, I think that's great. I'm not trying, you know, this isn't like the big money racket racing where there's a hundred of these races a year and you're trying to decide which one to go to. I mean, this needs to happen. I think that between myself and, and a couple of other guys that have got something in the works, we can, we can make something out of this and, and show in HRA that, that there is other stuff out there and that is way more uh, bang for your buck. And, you know, I, I don't want to see an HRA go. I still want to go do that, but I just want them to get the idea in their head that, you know, this is the way we want it and hopefully they can change and, and, and get that way. Hey, Tyler, I, John McLaughlin here. I just, uh, first off, want to thank you for, it's got to be just a ton of work to try and put something like this on. And I think your, your point is exactly right. None of us want to want to see an HRA go away. It's, it's what we've, uh, you know, tried to be successful in all our lives, but boy, to see somebody try and incorporate the the obviously current very successful big money bracket scene into stock super stock racing and have it be legit, and I, I just I couldn't be more excited. Um, I know I've got half a dozen people from up here in the North Country that are going to make the make the trip down there. Um, I just it sounds like it's going to be just a really cool deal. Are we going to make the stick guys qualify first? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm super. <laughs> Any chance of class, but, class elimination, you know, Tyler? Another thing that, that I'm doing, too. Yeah, I, I haven't worked that out completely. Uh, at first, when I was first putting this together, I really didn't have it um, have it in there. But, you know, obviously there's a lot of support for, for class eliminations. I, I'm moving towards doing that. Um don't have it together yet not sure what direction to take it uh, i gotta make a couple more phone calls on that and see if we can't work it out uh just don't usually i kind of i want to get as much racing in as possible over the four days and i'm just going to go back and make a new schedule and make sure we can fit it all in because i didn't have it originally but definitely something we're looking into um you know and and what you were saying john with 
with the um, with the big money bracket racing. I mean, I don't I don't want this to be a bracket race, and I don't want it to be you know you pay three hundred fifty bucks to race for thirty five hundred or whatever in national events now. But um, I think a little bit of both will make everybody happy. So as long as you can make it as legit as possible. Yeah, and that's that's that was kind of my point that I maybe didn't make clear. But I mean, I've invested my life now in stock super stock racing, and I couldn't be more passionate about it than you know you know heads up racing. I've never really had the faster car, but some of my best memories are the heads-up races that I've won or watched my kids win, um, you know, from a performance deficit. I mean, there's just nothing more fun, and that's that's what makes it different. And for me, being a, a technical mechanic-type guy, I mean, trying to figure out how to make your cars faster, and uh, I need a sandbox to play in, so <laughs> we've got we've to keep this thing moving forward, you know, and we've had been blessed to uh, have great success here in the – midwest with midwest class racers and and uh, a lot of the association stuff but uh, just to see another facet of of it with uh, what you're trying to do here i just i couldn't be more excited about it yeah and, and that's you know uh, i forgot what you said and i was trying to remember it but it was about you know we don't want to see nhra go i i invest my time into into trying to win championships um you know i want to win a world championship i I got to watch everybody do it all these years and it's you know i've, I've won big money bracket races i've I've been deep in the in the bigger bracket races, and you know it, nothing compares to winning a Wally. You know nothing will ever set that up. winning a national event. Nothing, nothing will ever, you know, get to the prestige that that does. And and you know I want to try to bring that to this. And uh, you know with the heads up runs, uh, I don't want to bring up bad memories for people, but the division championship that I won, I was in a carbureted. Uh, Corvette 327 and H automatic and had to win a heads up, a heads up run in the semifinals against the LT1. I was two tenths in the hole to start and, you know, got, got by and, and won the division. And, you know, the, the feeling when I got back to the trailer and saw my dad, and, you know, before that, he knew that I had to win that round to, to win the championship. And he was, he was basically in tears thinking that, you know, the car that he gave me to, to win the championship wasn't enough. And, you know, to see his excitement when I got back, you know, you, you can't, you can't do that anywhere, but stock super stock racing. And, and that's why I love it so much. And, you know, it's, it's why I did this and, and why I keep racing the sport. Well, as frustrating as it is for me, you know, I was new to the sport and trying to figure everything out. Like I'm, I'm dodging heads up. So I'm trying to just get better and, you know, fine tune the craft. But if there's not heads up and you're not qualifying off the index, it's not class racing to me. Like, that's what's really cool about it, and that's what separates it from a bracket race of any other type. If you're not going to have heads-ups and you're not going to qualify, it's not stock, super stock, class yeah, racing. That, that's my opinion, too. You know, I know a lot of people won't agree with that, and and that's okay. I mean, you know, but but stock, super stock racing is qualified, and if you got somebody in G-Stock Automatic, you're in G-Stock Automatic, we're going to run them heads-ups. So, um yeah, it's, it's a performance it. it's a performance based class and though you know heads ups can be heartbreaking yeah. and you like like you said you know you don't want to drive 8 hours get a heads up first round that's that's the way it is and that can be heartbreaking but as long it's not so bad when you know the car in the other lane is legal absolutely um, so that's yeah. that's yeah. where this this whole yeah. tech factor comes in now tyler my question is yeah. i know it's a big huge payout at the top are you going to be – how's the round money going to be? Because that entices people to come also. Like I, I just won 50 bucks yesterday for, for winning first round. I, I like that kind of stuff. I like round money. I, I want the trip to be worth it if I make it to the fourth or fifth round. I don't want to get $100 you know, and have to win sixth round to get 5000 So it, 
Is the round money going to be decent? Yeah. So, so how it's – yeah, well, right now the way it's set up, um, the, big, the, the big thing that my partner Brian and I uh, are deciding on is do we want to pay to lose third round or fourth round? But right now it's set up if you win third round, you get $250. Uh, and the round money's two hundred and fifty from there, so it's two fifty, then five hundred, then seven fifty, then a thousand, and then I, I think that would be sixth round, so that would be the semis. But it's it's set up now to where if you make it to fourth round, you're getting two hundred fifty bucks. But I'm also going to re um, restructure that into if you win second round, you know, we're going to start there and and uh, structure it back to uh, back to third round losers getting paid too, and and kind of compare those and see which one we think's best. Okay. Um, but the round money, you know, for the round. Making it to fourth round, the round money is pretty good at 250. I have a, a spreadsheet I can send you. I made it for uh, guys that were having races back in the day where you just put in the number of cars you have, your entry fee, and what you want to pay each round. Very simple. I like the idea of winning second round because even even with our NHRA payouts, if at least if you make it to third round, you're getting some money. So me, I could just be speaking That's for myself right now. I like for- winning second round and getting something. Well, the cool thing is, in, if you go out second round, you can still get in the Yeah, race. I'm glad you brought that up because I. Yeah, and then so if you make it the third round and then you got your heads up, you know, then you're still getting a little bit of money. So I, I agree, you know, that's that's definitely something we're going to go back and work on. Um, okay. I couldn't remember if NHRA paid third or fourth round. I, I, I struggle with that. My memory's not the greatest. <laughs> 300 bucks to, uh, to win second round at a national event. And um, uh, for Division One, we get 100 bucks to win second round. Is there going to be a cap on the car count? Okay, that, that's that's the. Uh, yeah, so right now we're looking at um, we're going to just do 128 in each class. So 128 stockers, 128 super stockers. Um, that's for the the first race. Um, you know, we had the idea of maybe taking more and qualifying them, um, and then you know a percentage of your entry fee will will get back to you. Um, but I didn't want to do that for this race. I want everybody to be that's there to be able to race and um, to have a shot at it. And, you know, the, the amount of cars that show up, you know, hopefully it fills in 30 minutes and after qualifying be mad about the outcome of it because it took 95 under in late March, early April in St. Louis and they, they went 90 under and didn't get in or something like that. So um, we are just going to take 128 in each class for this one. If my car went 90 under, I don't even have to make the race because that's like a win in 50 grand right there. <laughs> I I think in the yeah. – I've always thought that that's what NHRA should do, Tyler, is is let, you know, let 85 cars in and qualify 64 or whatever. So if, if that's something that can happen in the future, hopefully that can help it and, and help it financially so that you can keep doing these races. But I understand why a guy wouldn't want to yeah. do that on the first one. Well, and, and that's where we're at. You know, I definitely, it's something I'm looking at in the future, you know, kind of get the first one um, where everybody there is racing and, and let them see what's going on that way. Even if we do qualify in the future, you still have these 256 guys or, you know, I, my rule for, I, this isn't the only race I promote. I do two other ones as well. Um, if you can make 95% happy, you're doing a phenomenal job. Um, and, and, you know, that's the number you shoot for. So if, if 200 of these guys leave and say, this is the best race I've ever been to, I had such a, such a good time. They treated us well. Um, you know, then that can grow from there and we can, we can look into the qualified. I, I love qualifying myself. I don't always have a, a fast car either. So, and I, I still enjoy it. Yeah. And that, that, that's, uh, 
I think a point I, I enjoy qualifying and I, I've had a when I started in stock super stock my car I've I've been at a race that I did not qualify it was a full qualified field in Vegas and I didn't get in because my car would only go 20 under but uh, you know I think most of us started racing bracket racing racing our street car and and grew towards this and so that it's not supposed to be easy right Wait a minute, you don't just start in stock? No. You should have told me that when you convinced me to get into this thing, John. Come on. But that, but that's the point. That's what makes it different, you know, and uh, and, and makes it exciting. Because I bracket raced for 20 years um, and had gotten to the point where I did okay and, and won my share of races. But quite honestly, I was getting a little bit bored, and we didn't have a big money bracket scene up here and blah, blah, blah. And, and I was really excited to, to get into stock super stock. And, and I, it's been the funnest thing I've ever done the last seven, eight years I've been doing it. So... Um, I think that's what makes it different and makes it exciting. And I think that's something else that, that is hurting the stock super stock uh, programs, in, at least in Division Three and Division Two, um, is that our big money bracket racing scene is obnoxious. I mean, I, I can go within two hours of my house every single week of the year and race for 10 grand or more. No doubt about it, for, for two or 300 bucks. I mean, and, and that's hurting the stock super stock around here because you know, they see what what NHRA is paying to win a divisional. Why would they go do that when they can go make 40 runs a weekend and, and race for 30 grand? I mean, me personally, if any time that there's a bracket race and an NHRA race, I go to the NHRA race. But that's how I was raised, you know, and and these guys don't see it. They love the cars and love the racing, but it's it's a constant money pit and they can actually go ma- try to make some money in the in the bracket racing world. And and that's that's what's hurting it around here. But I know where you guys are at. Um and further out west too, they don't have that. And I think, I think not having that helps stock superstar. Yeah, I think that's a, a great point, Tyler. And and one thing you said, everybody thinks stock super stock cars are cool, right? And right. and some people perceive that it's expensive. In my opinion, it's not. But we won't get into that whole discussion right now. But and we can, if we. That's why I'm so excited for you to to have this race because you can start building excitement bring that little bit of that big money bracket scene into stock super stock racing while keeping it legit and just continue to grow the sport um just like we've been able to do here in the midwest with our midwest class racers and with good payouts and we get great car counts and it's a super fun environment and you get the race done in one day and it's just it's just so and there's room for there's room for all of it because we all want to like you said chase that wally and you know i I, i've been blessed enough to win a divisional i haven't won a national event yet but i'm going to keep trying and and that's what we all want to do. There's room for all of it. Well, the crazy yeah. thing is, is these races for me being new to it, they're starting to become like a family reunion. You know? <laughs> we basically have Literally. nine family reunions a year. So I can only imagine this is going to be like the 20 year class reunion <laughs> for 50 grand. Like it's going to be awesome. Yeah. I, you know, I've got a lot. That's something that I've been blessed with, not only as a promoter, but as a driver as well as there's a lot of people in my area, you know, Ricky Decker, Todd France, um, and so many more those are just two that come to my mind but i've got a lot of good racers that have been doing this a long time that i can bounce ideas off of nick morris um you know i I can call them and say i got this idea and they can tell me no that's the dumbest thing i've ever heard you say or (laughs) or yeah that's a great idea you know try it and so i think that's what's going to make it great too is 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 i personally i don't like taking everybody's opinion but i like getting their ideas and kind of combining them and making one um maybe change or one thing out of all three opinions and and i've been blessed to have all those guys to, to call and do that with and um you know and like you were saying john we're all chasing the wally there, there's nothing like it yeah absolutely i uh 
I'm excited to learn more. Hopefully, as you get more details, like I said, we're hoping to have you on a couple more times and whatever we can do to promote this. And we appreciate you fighting through the weak signal there and taking a little time off work to fill us in here. And we'll uh, we'll definitely keep everybody up to date on the podcast. We plan right. on having Tyler on more often. Tyler, well, Tyler, can... I, I was thinking, Tyler, you know, because if you do want to keep performance in this, uh, maybe the guys, maybe you do qualify 128, and the guys who don't qualify. Give them a uh, a free entry to that five bracket race, or give them like a discounted half price entry to that, and that way you can keep the performance aspect in the class race, and and then, um, you know, it, it won't it, those guys won't be totally upset that they didn't make the cl- they'll get into the other race. Just trying to figure out ways to keep the performance yeah. in this, because I know at every in everybody's heart they want the performance to be in this thing. Yeah, and that's that's that actually just, the idea. No, no, you, you're right. Cause we want to, uh, the, the way we kind of thought about it, if we do, if we do go that route is to give a percentage of their entry back and then plus put them in, um, they're, they're automatically in the second chance race. And, and the other thing that we were kind of thinking about, um, is well, well, yeah, that, that was it. And we got a couple other ideas with, with the second chance race as well, but that way they can, you know, cause, cause their money, you know, obviously at 128, um, it, it makes, it makes my money, you know, I can pay all my bills and, you know, the track lease is taken care of and all that and my tech guys, but, you know, so all of the other racers would be extra money. And I want to make sure that, you know, I obviously they paid and, you know, they showed up trying to qualify and I, you know, it won't be a, a full refund or anything because they, you know, they were here to race, but, you know, still give them some of their money back and put them in that five grander is an idea that we were uh, tossing around as well. Yeah. Well, that even if you give the money back, that would be, even a, a bonus i was just thinking free entry into that 5k race but that's that's even more generous what you're proposing how about did you just think about leaving stock and super stock separate what's you know no point in running them off eighth round they're probably going to split the money anyway why not just let stock be seven rounds super stock be seven rounds and call it a day run them for you know 12 5 you know and 12 5 to win or or something like that or do you that do you was in my i wanted to get to that in that you know, that ast- not astronomical number for stock super stock guys, you know, that over 20,000. Um, that's where I wanted to get with this. I wanted it to pay that way. Okay. And, you know, the, the only way I felt like you could do that was to combine them. But the best way to do that was to separate them until the final. Um, you know, I don't want them to, I don't want it to just be a combo race from the start, but I think separating them until then was, was the best way. Gotcha. Tyler, can you announce uh, a date of when uh, when we're going to be able to enter this race? Uh, when you're going to have all? I know you got a lot of work to do getting all the details ironed out, and you're going to release a flyer. But I just want to make sure I don't miss getting my chance to get entered in this race, actually with a couple cars. I so. want you to miss Johnny. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> don't no, we're, Justin we're, Lamb, please turn off your radio right now. <laughs> John McLaughlin, who else can we throw out there? Jody Lang, you're Jody, not invited. Jody, stay home. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's it's funny you say uh, Justin's name. Usually when I when I put a flyer out there for a race, he'll call me. And Justin's a friend of mine, and he always – but he's one of those people that I, I love to hear from because he's always going to criticize what I'm doing, but it, it's it's not – it's always constructive. You know, he's telling me, you know, stuff I should do, and he hasn't called me on this one, so I'm waiting on it. But um, we're looking yeah. at January 12th uh, for the pre-entry. Uh, it'll be on our website, racederbycity.com. Um, and, and we can, I'll post that as well again, but looking at January 12th, uh, I can pretty much go ahead and set that. It'll be January 12th. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll have a link there on our website. Uh, Jeff, Sarah out of, uh, wherever a racetrack is, is Pennsylvania. Where he's from. <laughs> yeah, 
he uh, he takes care of our website, does a great job. Uh, it, it's very user friendly. I think it's a lot user more user friendly than NHRA racer and trying to international event. So um, we'll we'll put more details on that as well. I'll post a video um, of how that works and 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 get that out to everybody. And yeah, I know uh, you guys were Brian. You were talking about. Uh, having me on a couple more times hopefully that we can I'll have more details every time and um, can get everybody a little bit better idea how this is going to work yeah absolutely thanks for jumping on and we appreciate your time and we look forward to hearing more from you yeah I'll have I'll have a better setup next time too sorry about that I'll be at home uh, on my computer and this will work out a little better for the audio and everything else yeah no problem all right yeah thanks for joining us Tyler no problem thank you guys all right take care thanks so, I don't mean to kick him off early, but we're also running out of time, and my mentor and protege is sitting to my right hand, and I want to be like, what in the world convinced John McLaughlin to start bracket racing or stock racing in general? <clears throat> well, what convinced, what got me into racing? Yes. Or what, yeah. So, well... Take us back to when Johnny was a little boy. Not like <laughs> yesterday, but like little, little boy. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, you know, I grew up here in the in the hills, just, just west of Millbank here, farming and ranching. And uh, I went to high school in a little Langford, South Dakota is where I'm from. And it's a town of 320 people. Like I, I always I always tell people, you know, that I meet at the races and, and from Vegas and all these places, you know, no, you don't understand the town I went to high school and had 320 people, not my class, not the school. Uh, but, uh, anyway, so, and obviously with my great stature and uh, whatever, I wasn't uh, big into athletics. Uh, most of the kids in my class were over six foot in the sixth grade. And I was my whopping five foot eight by the time I was a junior. <laughs> but, uh, so anyway, there was a couple guys in town that uh, the Todd and Wayne Sell had 66 Impalas, and they were going down to Marion, and I just thought that was the coolest thing ever. And uh, I had uh, I had a Fury in high school, and then I built a Chevelle. And uh, the first thing I ever went to the racetrack in, though, is a, when I was 17 years old, I had a 7383 four-speed Roadrunner, which is what I'm still racing today. And anyway, I went to the track, and I just thought, you know, this is like the big time. <laughs> you know, here, I'm just this hillbilly kid from South Dakota, and I'm you know, driving my car to, and I drove my car to the track for years and, and, uh, you know, just morphed into, uh, uh, doing more serious bracket racing. And, uh, but I, shoot, it was probably, I don't know, maybe 15 years ago when I finally quit driving my car to the track and got a trailer. And then my kids by that time were, were 10, 11, 12, 13 years old. And, and, uh, my middle boy was going to the car track with me all the time. And I got him in a, into a junior that we actually hauled in the back of my pickup. If you remember that, Brian, but the car would be sticking out and, uh, and uh, then my oldest son started racing in the high school class. And like I said, by that time, I was doing fairly well and, and winning my fair share of races and uh, just wanted to take the next step and had, you know, idolized and read about these stock super stock cars and just couldn't believe how fast they were with the restrictive rules. And, you know, what's that all about and how's that work? And, and uh, you know, I asked around and, and uh, I called Brad Van Lant to figure out how to work on a set of cylinder heads for a big block Chrysler and one thing morphed into another. And, you know, two years later I had a, a, a running, you know, stalker. And, uh, and then my son, my oldest son who had been racing a cop car in the uh, high school class turned 16 and, uh, we bought the wagon, uh, wouldn't run the index when we got it, but, uh, got that built into a stalker and yeah, it just took off from there. And then about three years after that, I got the opportunity in my career to move to 
Flagstaff and out west and uh, met all these other guys that I'd read about and idolized, you know, read National Dragster and magazines and they're, they're real people and they're, they're still racing. And uh, anyway, so yeah, it just, just morphed from there. And always raced a four-speed, by the way. <laughs> and it's funny, the way I got that nickname was Dennis Bremen gave it to me because I'd be racing at Thunder Valley and there'd be, you know, 200 bracket cars there and I'd be racing in three classes going through the rounds and I'd have the only stick car on the property. You know, and it's, what is that guy doing? Is he, is he mad at that car or what? You know, well, yeah, that's four-speed yacht. So anyway, sorry to ramble on, but that's kind of a, a brief synopsis of how I got into this deal. Well, it's kind of funny because I, unfortunately, entered the the racing world. I uh, never really had any cool cars or anything growing up. And I ended up, I purchased a 68 Charger that was, the body was decent, but it was kind of a wiring mess, a mechanical mess, and. I uh, think I went into the local Chrysler dealership and I was talking and I'm like, you know, I got to do some work with this car. Like, oh, you should talk to Four Speed Johnny. Like, who's Four Speed Johnny? Well, he's like the manager of the Watertown Forts. I went in. Hey, I got this car. Can you help me with it? And over the course of six, seven months, John's a excellent fabricator. Very, like everything he has is pretty nice. Like, takes his time. The wiring, you know, we put a new wiring harness in it. We, uh, piece together a 440 out of parts that he had laying around in the in the closet <laughs> i probably had the cheapest 440 running down the track and then he's like oh you need to come to the drag strip well my uncle grew up and i always heard stories about them going to thunder valley and as i was a kid i thought it was always cool but i'd never actually been there so one labor day week and he's like oh bring that charger down we just got it running i'd never been to the track before and and that was funny. I think that thing ran, I don't remember what it ran. I think it ran like 1205, 1206, something like that. I don't know. Yeah, it, it was pretty impressive for the used camshaft and the whatever cylinder heads. And It had I the glitter, know. glitter purple cylinder heads. Yeah, and yeah, it was some old stuff I had laying around. It ran really good. And I think actually I went, <laughs> I'm not 100% sure, but I think I still went three rounds that first time in the street running the Charger on Labor Day weekend. And I'm like, you know, this is pretty cool. See, he always plays off like he's not that good. The first time he goes to the track, he goes three rounds. That ain't the That's way it crazy. worked out for me. <laughs> well, it just, I don't know. I had I had good leadership, I guess. But one of the funny things, and then I think we went, that was probably the next year, I think we went to Pier. I literally went to the track four or five times before two years ago when I got this car. And every time I went, it seems like you would go rounds. But I remember He's my, a natural talent, folks. I still remember, I think it was that first, I think it was like third or fourth round in Labor Day weekend in streetcar, on my car. I passed the guy, you know, whatever, took off, and I won. I took the stripe, but his light came on. <laughs> and I thought, what in the world? Like, I beat the guy. And I'd come up to John, I'm like, what happened? He's like, well, you didn't have to take a football field. <laughs> like, what do you mean? I won the race. He's like, you went too fast. Like, you got to back into him. You can't just fly by and i'm like i don't understand what you're talking about like i beat him off the line i was green i took the stripe how can i lose and so john's like you know you gotta drive the stripe you gotta watch what you're doing and so that was one thing that really stuck into my memory so in my whole whopping four things yeah it was pretty easy to be not successful but at least go rounds and it was pretty fun well my most memorable race last year was at earlville I'm going around and I finally made it through first round in stock at the Earlville Divisional. And I was just jacked. I come pulling up to my pit because we always pit together. I get out of my car. I'm like jumping up and down. I was like John Forrest winning my 100th race. <laughs> Nobody's around. It's like a ghost town. I'm like, where is everyone? 
You know, I'm expecting like fanfare, confetti, <laughs> ticker tape parade. Nobody's anywhere to be seen. I walk around I'm the trailer. Photo. Here they're all sitting in their chairs on the other side of John's trailer. And he looks at me and he just sticks his hand out. Like, let me see your ticket. I give him his ticket and he's like, really? Cutting that one a little close. I mean, it was like point zero zero seven or something margin of victory. I mean, it was like a foot. He's like cutting a little close. I'm like, come on, Dad. Like, you should be proud of me. Now, first you took too much. Now you're not taking enough. I'm like, I can never make you happy, John. Come on. Well, you had the race won without tightening it up that much. But anyway, if we all, I fail to execute my thoughts and theories all the time, as last weekend proved. So, well, the one thing I will say about John is he has really nice stuff. He's he's a true craftsman like everything on his car he's pretty much doing himself and i really have a lot of respect i don't know of the group i race with there's a is it true you don't have any feeling in your hands john that's why you don't own a set of oven mitts <laughs> well yeah they they've been beat up pretty good over my lifetime yes like he's the reason he wants me to put a stick in my car but yet i've never seen him make a pass and not lay under the car and make a clutch adjustment like hey for the record and i have witnesses i did not <laughs> go inside the bell housing in my car the first two races at vegas i did make one small change at the uh, national opener that it responded good to so um i do see your crew chief chief jamie is watching on us with facebook live jamie can you attest to that or <laughs> jamie just said effing liar no, <laughs> <laughs> oh boy so what is the secret to making that stick car work like your reaction times were off the charts you've been driving you've had an incredible year what you've won i know you beat me in an event what have you won two this year yeah one one two races uh run it up at another one and semifinals twice and quarterfinals i don't know how many times so but yeah i I, i've had a good year in uh you know and obviously i wanted to go out west here and uh improve my nhra performance a little bit and i i did make it down to eight cars in the national event which would be the farthest i've ever went and the whopping four national events i've competed in so um and uh and i did drive you know better than i expected or better than than i feel i'm able able to right now so yeah you know it's just brian you just as you know you just got to work at it and you keep you can keep getting better that's one thing that keeps me coming back to this sport is i'm 48 years old i've been doing this for 31 years um and i keep getting better so i'm gonna keep trying to compete and the way it is today there's so many good good guys out there that you need to keep getting better so you know i i hit the practice tree uh not during the season but over the winter time um i try and hit it 10 times a day and usually that turns into 20 as i'm frustrated with my performance but i i log it and uh, kind of keep track of what i'm doing and i'll do different things i'll change the rollout up i'll block i'll not block i'll lights off lights on try and try and do different things there um uh to help and you know increase my my starting line performance which has has gotten to be fairly decent here in recent history i've had a lot of help from other racers advice um you know larry gilly johnny gray those are guys that really helped me with my uh my uh reaction time performance um you know i i've spoken and messaged you know justin lamb luke bagaki those guys there's a lot of tools out there with the drag racing schools and things uh, that can help you um you know the finish line stuff i tell you and i believe in my opinion there's you know nothing that helps that other than seat time you know and i i made some mistakes there this weekend in races that i could have should have won and uh just failed to execute because i haven't haven't done it enough so that's that's a good one to bring up there walk us through 
first round against Al Corda, world champion, when you got a new nickname is Triple O Seven Johnny. <laughs> you know, quite quite honestly, uh, I remember the races I lose more than the ones I win. So I'm still trying to figure out how I did not win against Scott Burton and Justin Lamb when I had them both treed, and uh, yeah, managed to screw it up at the finish line. But no, that you know, Al. Every time that I, I've had the opportunity to race him a couple times now, and uh, I had. You know, I lost to him in Pier this spring in the quarterfinals, and that one stung pretty good. <clears throat> and uh, so I wanted to give him a good race, and but I didn't want to give it to him, you know, so I just tried to be solid on the tree. And, uh, you know, I, I figured Al was holding holding a little bit, uh, which uh, as it l- looked like in the time slip he was, and uh, I tried to give him a little different look down there. And, and you know, seven ten thousandths of a second, that's anybody's race, obviously. And Al's a great, great racer and a great driver, and uh, I was just... Uh, got the math to swing my way which you know in the in my first round lost against Justin Lamb in the divisional where I was 10 on the tree to his 25 um you know obviously he's holding a little bit and uh I wasn't trying to because when I race somebody really good like that I I figure I'll screw up the, the finish line I'll let them make the decision you know and I try and be dialed really hard and but in that race my car left really good um and I knew I was probably holding a little bit and uh, so I got on the I scrubbed a little bit down there um but uh, you know, the, the, it was a thousandth of a second margin of victory in Justin's favor. So on that one, the the math went the other way. So well, I know I uh, I try to defend my automatic guys against the stick guys all day long, but it's it would be really really hard to be as consistent and drive as good as you drove this year, rowing the gears. Like I, there's so many more variables. There's you know you've got four chance or three chances to miss a shift, or you know just the little stuff and the clutch maintenance. That, I don't know. I don't know if there's anybody that stays on top of the clutch as more, or no, maybe knows the clutch. Like, it's crazy how you can spin and it doesn't really make a result at the end. Like, you haven't just seat time and know how your clutch is going to work and how the car leaves. I just, it boggles my mind, just how well you clutch guys have to know your cars and have to know everything. Well, there's 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 something to be said for that. I mean, obviously, I've got a lot of lot of seat time in in this car specifically but i mean in the same same car basically for 30 years um but there are some advantages in, in my opinion to the to the stick shift deal there are starting line situations where they can be more forgiving um and the other thing for me personally you know i've driven automatic cars obviously and and for for other people and and done okay in them or whatever but to me if i have too much time to think in a race car i'm going to mess it up so if I'm, if I gotta be, you know, and, and this missing gears thing, I don't even know what that is. I don't, I don't, to my knowledge, I don't think I've ever done it, but anyway, you just get it in gear, get it in high gear, you know, and now, now you're past the eighth mile. Now you get, can start making a decision. And, and to me, it's easier to be focused, you know, letting go with my, with my left foot than taking my finger off a button, um, you know, or let, letting go of the brake pedal, it, which in foot braking is, it's basically the same thing like we do in stock. So, um, Anyway, I just I find it, you know, just much more comfortable to let go of a clutch pedal and stay busy in the race car, so I got less time to think. Now, maybe I do need a little more time to think, so I'd make some better decisions <laughs> at the finish line. But anyway, historically, that's the way I've thought about it. So the plan is is just know how the race is going to lay out before you even pull up to the light, rip the tree down, and not think about anything else. Well, no, that, that, that plan will not work either, unfortunately. So you do have to have in your head what you, you know, I, I do, you know, I've gotten to the point where I try and study my opponents a little bit to see where they've been running, 
you know, I generally know when I go up there if someone's holding a bunch or not. And so I have in my head what I expect the race to play out like. Um, but you cannot not pay attention to what's happening on the racetrack, you know. So if there's somewhere that doesn't look great like that or whatever, I mean, you have to have to make des- decisions, you know, split-second decisions and react to them. And like I said, obviously I need a, a lot of work to get better at that. But, uh, you know, for the most part, you kind of know what's going on in your opponent. And sometimes they'll change it up, and that's what the really good guys do, you know. They can they can hold they can do they can be honest they can they can do all kinds of different things and that's that's the name of the game. Any questions, Bobby? I've been kind of taking over this conversation. Just taking it in here. No, um, when he said, I do think that the clutch cars are they actually are a little more forgiving on the starting line. I've spun a little bit in the super stalker, and it, you know, the sixty foot time may be a little, you know less than it was on the previous pass but by the time i'm in third gear the runs are overlapping even on the graph and um yeah, that's the, a, it's consistency the consistency of of my stick car is really it's unbelievable sometimes and it is more reacting instead of thinking um you don't have a lot of time i'm in fourth gear right after the 330 so by eighth mile i'm already my left foot is over to the brake pedal and my and two hands are on the wheel so it's 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 an automatic car from eighth mile on out for me and i'm ready to make my finish line decisions you know there's a i don't know if i want to talk about and give away all our stick shift advantages here bobby but uh, <laughs> uh there there are there are starting line conditions that uh where uh, automatic car with the torque multiplication the torque converter what makes those things so fast down low can be a, a hindrance to them and i find the same thing in my car like when my car leaves really good or compared to when it spins a little bit and gets a little bit of wheel speed, it does not affect it as much as it would, right. would an automatic that, car. That's hurt me before. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because I, I've, I, I distinctly remember I was racing Drew Skillman at the Norwalk national event and there it was, was late. Round. We were running set. We were running second round at midnight and I dumped the clutch out and it just did a wheelie like the uh, higher than it did all weekend. And I was like, Oh my God, the way it launched so hard. I I'm on a, I'm on a breakout. I got to hit the brakes at the finish line. And here I tapped the brakes at the finish line, give it back by two thou. And I didn't have to, I was on the, I was on the number. So it didn't, it, it, you know, it didn't make me any faster to have that hard launch. So like you're saying, the little spin with the wheel speed is, you know, is this, it, it doesn't slow you down. And and that's one thing you guys have talked about on the podcast before. Every car is different there, you know, and that's where keeping records. And I, I've gotten to the point where I keep, you know, ridiculous amounts of information, probably not Mike Mann's territory, but uh, <laughs> because I, and I'm learning and learning more and more how my car reacts to different track conditions, to different weather conditions. Um, and so just the more information you can have there, I think it's, you know, it's it's not necessarily a competitive edge, but it, it helps you be more competitive. Um, you know, and one other thing that sometimes will throw people for a loop with a stick car is, is the finish line closing ratios, you know, my G stick, 120, 117 to 120 mile an hour car, depending on the conditions, it accelerates differently in high gear than a really fast G stock automatic car, for example. So that surprises people sometimes. And I was the was on the lucky side of that in a couple races out west here in the last month so anyway there's it's there's good things and bad things about all combinations and you just got to work with your combination and but i can tell you one thing for sure brian win or lose driving a four-speed car is way more fun 
Agreed. Yep. I uh, I don't even know if I want to say this, but <laughs> anybody that's ever pitted next to Johnny knows that the true reward to parking next to John is if you need help, he's there. Like that's a side effect, man. When his mom's with and the food that you eat at the track, I hope your crew chief is taking notes because well, here I I've been that's five star dining. Gary Hampton won a race because of your potatoes. Yeah, I, I've been perfecting my racetrack <laughs> cooking skills here. Like I said, I the, the most rewarding thing I've done in my life, honestly, and in, in racing in general, is, is being able to race with my kids as they were growing up. And so I had to perfect my racetrack cooking skills, and they just they keep attaining new levels. I mean, I I got Doug and Lynn Engels chasing me around when they leave the track to get the leftovers so they can have them to go home. And, yeah, Gary drove by the, the night before he won that race, and I hollered at him, said, hey, have you eaten yet? And he stopped in, and, yeah. So hopefully maybe I was a small part of that victory. <laughs> the guys that race with John joke about him pulling a bowling alley because he's got a two-car trailer. The funny thing is, is when I met John, it was the open trailer, sleeping in the back. Like, it's kind of cool. So, like, it's not that it's uh, – extravagant you know big crazy deal it actually works for him when he's hauling his two cars with this kid or even hauling cars for work but is that going to get longer so you can have john's kitchen john's <laughs> speedway track snacks or something you know in the back like well, I, i've got a whole plan of how i'm going to fit a kitchen and a bathroom in that front six feet of room that i got in front of my car and i'm going to have to find someplace else to put my toolbox yeah. but uh, yeah <laughs> well thanks for coming up john we know you uh spent a lot of time driving around you've been putting a lot of miles on and just getting in i'm like if he's this close we got to get him in studio just got it he's too smart not to have in here well i i I appreciate and i'm honored that you asked me to be on here and i'm i'm just i wanted to do this disclaimer before the show started but so i'll do it at the end but the thoughts and opinions of me do not reflect directly on whymillbank.com, Bobby Fazio, <laughs> Brian Anderson, our class racing today, just so you know. Send the hate mail directly to me. <laughs> oh, man. But thanks, thanks, thanks for, for coming thanks on, Thanks for having John. me on. Yep. You got it. All right. Johnny McLaughlin, Mr. Four Speed. And also, one last thing. We did not discuss the top five super stock drivers. We said Warner and Warner finished one and two. I just needed to round out. Number three was David Latino beating number four, Kyle Rizzoli by one whole point and number five, Justin Lamb. So Justin Lamb finished number three in stock, number five in super stock. Congratulations to the top five drivers. And then next podcast, we'll go over the divisional drivers to give them their, their fair share of recognition. Brian. So when is our next episode? Is there racing next weekend? I don't know. I have to find a schedule to see if there's any random like national opens happening or any combo races. Or I keep saying Vegas. This was the last divisional, and I'm 99 percent sure of that. But I, like, there's no other divisionals. Points are finished, right? The season is over, Bobby. Okay. <laughs> but you guys, you guys have plenty to talk about, and there's going to be a lot going on. We've all got new things going on, so there's no excuse for not having an episode next week. I th- That's I right. We should you, have one. You That's already, right. You already <laughs> promised. I, I can't even remember. I hope you wrote it down, Bobby. You had something you were going to spend 10 minutes on. Oh, recognizing all the individual. Divisional. Divisional. Yep. yep. You could turn so, that into a whole show. Absolutely. I just think we need, you, we need your reviews, people. Send, write us, uh, give us some feedback on our Facebook page here. You can give us stars. Brian, where else can they give us some stars? On the uh, Apple podcast page? Yeah, if you go to the Apple podcast, if you listen to us on Apple, go to our homepage. So if you go to Class Racing Today, there's a spot on there where you can write a review. Now, we have some ratings, but if you don't write a review, it doesn't help as much. So i got to give a shout-out to the Postmaster. Last episode, he went right on and 
wrote us a review and that helps how we're ranked with apple and it helps people find us easier so if you would do that that's great um class racing today at gmails or email address if you want to send any hate mail fan mail love mail yeah so go ahead and just tell us what you like what you don't like i mean it's it's been a lot of fun i always wonder what are we going to talk about this episode and pretty soon an hour goes by and I guess people aren't tired of us rambling yet because it's being really, really well received. So it's been a lot of fun and thanks for listening. All right, guys, everybody have a nice week. Enjoy, get started, get working on your race cars and we will see you next year, but you'll be able to listen to us all winter. Thanks for having me. Have a good week.